go. All righty. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Baby Backs Banner Podcast, Episode 8, in which we'll be talking about a lot of a lot of the updates surrounding this team. Like I said, there's a lot of news in regards to the D-backs top prospects this week. Got some injury updates, roster moves, and potentially staring at a debut of another top prospect coming up pretty soon. Then after that, we're going to talk about the topic of how much makeup matters when it comes to evaluating prospects, both amateur and professional prospects. And then we're going to close our show with prospects of the week. The way I am Mike McDermott and I am joined by. Wesley Byer. How's it going, Michael? Good. How are you? I'm all right. A little, uh, been a busy week for Dimebacks fans to say the least. So yeah, kind of want to explain to us why you're wearing all black today. Well, I'm more, I'm mourning Madison Bumgarner's career. Uh, I would say it's over, and I think uh, I'm probably the only Diamondbacks fan who will mourn his career and his uh, time with the Diamondbacks because you know I'm just I'm just a nice guy, Michael. All right, so we're gonna open up with some prospect injury updates here. So if you've been following along this week, um, in the prospect reports I've noted that. Blaze Alexander, injured thumb, will be out for a while. Ivan Melendez hitting the head with the pitch. is on the seven-day injured list, although I don't think that's going to be too lengthy of a stay. And then Drew Jones on the IL for Vizalia with a right quad strain. And from what I, heard, I think what Barfield said was it's going to be out a couple weeks because they just don't want him to push it. Which that's pretty I much the... That's, yeah, I think that's a good plan. A good plan with him. He's nothing too serious with Drew Jones, so... I mean, uh, why don't you just like, you know, don't push him to take it too easy. He's probably the least of the injury concerns out of uh, players you mentioned. Yeah, and plus they can always make up time in the fall like they did with Lawler last year. Um, yeah, that Melendez is uh, getting hit. That hit by pitch looked really, uh, really bad because I, you know, Mike Michael is wonderful and sent it to me with like zero context and I had no warning. So I just got a, a gif of someone getting just like smashed in the face with a hit by pitch. And it was uh caught me a little off guard, dude. Yeah. Fortunately the helmet did its job. And it's, as I said, it's a short absence. So obviously they're trying to, they're ruling out a concussion, trying to rule out a concussion, but I think it hit the, it hit the bill of the helmet. So I don't think he took the full force of the pitch. Yeah. It kind of clipped it, clipped him like right on the bill. It got a little bit of his face. I was trying to like watch it in slow motion of what I could see that you sent me. And they're like, He's very lucky that, that I mean, well, fortunately, unfortunately, a little lucky that uh, it didn't get worse. I mean, it could have, could have like, you know, usually hit him in the cheek or a little, like, a little lower on the, in the nose, and it would have really hurt a lot more. But uh, glad well, to hear he that the he's face not. face guard on, so it wasn't going to hit him in the cheek. Yeah. Um, it definitely was uh, a bad, like, a, this did look, look bad just seeing it. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I think I was more surprised than anything. I was like, I did not know who that was. I thought it was Blaze Alexander because, you know, it was the last person that we talked about that, you know, been hit kind of in the – it bounced off of his head and I guess into his thumb. or like his, It bounced off his bill and hit his thumb is the way he got uh, injured, right? Yeah. Glancing shot off the helmet and then hit the uh, 
it hit hit his thumb square while it was holding the bat. Yeah, that it was more. That was more. I'm like, if he had I a really wasn't... grip on the bat. His thumb might have been okay. Yeah, I think so. It just looked like it was hard to pick up exactly like where it hit in the clip. I saw of him getting hit. Like it just kind of bat- it just kind of he was like ping ponged off of him, you know, like he or uh, what's it called, pinballed off of him. So it just like looked very confusing, less less like obviously painful, except for it was very clearly like he broke his thumb. Um, like right away, you could tell he like thumb in his hand. But uh, how much longer does he have on the uh, before he returns to action? You- Probably looking at a June return at the earliest. It's a minimum six weeks because obviously okay, so the thumb's got to heal, and then you got to do rehab, and then yeah, that's uh. So you're looking at uh, June, middle of June, possibly as a return, and you okay, never. Yeah, it, that is a, and that's sorry. a lot of time missed because the prospect that's putting pressure underneath him, Jordan Lawler, obviously he he's going to be pushing for arena promotion by the end of June, the way he's going. Uh, yeah, to say the least. I like we talked before, like last week. Uh, I'm surprised that it, like he hadn't already. I mean, I know. Time yeah, and he's got all that. Since our last episode. Yeah, I know. But actually, that's Three something walks. that we should we should bring up is just like how wrong all my takes last week were. Like literally, I was like, "Oh, they're never going to DFA Mad Bum," and then, uh, yeah, that's the next day. Literally, they DFA Mad Bum. So uh, I'm okay with being wrong if they do the right thing. That's why I say things like that. Is I want to, like, you know, someone needs to say it. I don't, you know, most of the time, somebody's got to play fans, the role of anti. Yeah, I I have to, I guess that's my role. I have to be like, okay, the, the ownership sucks because I don't care. I don't care, you know, if they get mad at me. I don't. I live in Tucson. I have to go out of my way to get to a game anyway. So, um, someone's got to call out ownership on things like that. And it sounds like they're being a lot more attentive. Like if you look at the the moves all in this last week, like since like basically since we uh, were like went live on the the uh, was it twenty first or the nineteenth? Like yeah, a week ago. Um, it it really like they've been very attentive, like much more responsive uh, than they have in the past. So I'm a little impressed. Like we're seeing Dre Jameson, like actually kind of goes right next into it. Dre Jameson was sent down after his start and uh, demoted to Reno. Um, I'm surprised that they did that. All right, so we're gonna pop in a couple audio clips for everyone to listen to. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. You probably won't see much there. The audio will play, but you'll see it. Wes and I probably just uh, nodding off or something. So we got two audio clips to play, both from Tori Lovello, from la- one from yesterday, yesterday's post game, and then another explaining the roster move in today's pregame. Yeah, I just think it was um, it's a natural instinct of a young pitcher to just go um, natural strength of a pitcher with, with a good fastball, just go after guys and, and think that you're gonna you're gonna run it run it by them. And um, big league hitters are smart. You throw mad balls, they know they're ready uh, and they don't miss. Uh, they'll get wood on a bullet if they had to. So um, I just think it gets back to pitching. It was a little discussion I had with Dre that um, I felt like that was unacceptable. I told him he's better than that. Uh, he's got to start to locate his fastball. Uh, he'll get back to the drawing board. He's, he's, he's somebody that takes he takes a challenge personally and start to spot up his fastball. That that would be the most important thing for me right now. Yeah, he's yanking the slider. It's it's not landing, um, and then he's becoming fairly one dimensional. Uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know that the dynamics of, of 
um, uh, pitching mechanics perfectly, but it just looks like he's yanking that pitch. I think it's maybe something to do with his front side, just a guess. Um, but he's got to be more consistent with that secondary stuff. That's the bottom line. Finding where his fastball is going and then, and then being able to rip sliders and throw sliders where he wants to or break the ball. Correct, correct. So you got to pitch. you got to pitch at this level. Um, there are some throwers. Some guys get away with, with fastball. Um, I've seen a lot of guys do it for a long time, but uh, they throw it where they want to. So I, just, I think Dre had a, a tough day, but it'll be a great learning experience for him today. All right, from today's pregame. It was uh, something that we we talked about last night, um, post game, and it was this, the lack of fastball consistency, um, his inability to command his secondary stuff. We felt like he was becoming one dimensional out over the plate, and we just need him to get back into that that form that we have seen. We saw last year. We've seen in spurts this year, and you know, go go prepared to get get dominant again. Um, these are these are hard pills for young players to swallow. All they want to do is get here and learn and continue to pitch here. And I get that, but we are we're a very competitive team. Um, we've got a lot of competitive um, understudies, and we we felt like the best thing for Dre at this point in time would be to go down, get his timing, get his rhythm, and get and find his stuff. Um, you know, I said it last night. Good hit, good major league hitters when they know you're throwing a fastball will get wood on a bullet, and you know. I, I, I stand by his ability to make pitches, and when he does, he's going to find his way back here. All right, so what did you think? First of all, I'm sorry, but I just have to laugh at uh, Tori's, like, just, like, his metaphors. They are, like, the funniest, like, the, the child, the, the boy, the young boy in me, like, immediately laughs at half, like, the, like, the metaphors that he used are just, just so random and weird. But I mean, he's he's got like he's got a good point. Is that you know, I, like I he just like James, I, James was like locating his fastball. He's not playing it to his strength. He needs like a little refresher down Reno. We're trying to win. We're trying to compete. Um, clearly, the team saw a need to, to do something and saw something that wasn't right at what he's doing. That seems to be what I got out of that. I mean, I've said it like in so many words, but. Um, uh, it's promising to see actually see the team be responsive and be realistic. Like that's what I'm hearing. The team is being realistic about Jamison's uh, struggles. Yeah, I think it's also due to the point that they've had trouble stretching him out since putting him back in the rotation. First start went off without a hitch. Fifty four pitches. Second start came in, kind of labored a little bit, lost yeah. the feel for his slider, but, but he was able to throw enough strikes with the fastball that the Cardinals really didn't do much with it, and then. Yesterday, there were a lot of, especially once he got in trouble, once he gave up the uh, double to Carpenter that made it 3 nothing. there yeah. was a lot of fastballs that were non-competitive pitches. So he was overthrowing it. It was 98, but he was missing way out of the zone. And uh, that led to the walks, and then why that became a 40-pitch inning. Finally got Nola to strike out to end the inning, but that was it. Uh, yeah, that's... that's um. You could really see, like, he didn't have his, like, when I, he did not look good. He did not have his best stuff. I, like, literally, uh, I could not finish watching that game. <laughs> like, that, I don't think I it was, off a, the TV. it wasn't a stuff issue. His velocity was actually up. And yeah. He said he felt good. He was, well, I do think he was overthrowing. Obviously, once he got in trouble, he started trying to throw fastballs through these hitters, but as a result, was missing pretty bad. And there were, flying behind him counts the walks, but then 
obviously got Nola the, fi- the swing and a sl- I think it was a slider that finished him off. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, he like he just just like he wasn't he wasn't locating his pitches like he like he said like he said himself he looked and like felt fine. Like, I mean, just like it seemed like his mechanics were a little off. He wasn't. Uh, he's like just com- consistently missing outside of the zone. So, um, I think that, I think it's the right move to send him down. And yeah, there are some issues with uh, his conditioning after being, you know, he has not been stretched out after uh, starting the year in the, the bullpen. That, that my concern was that he he'd have issues when they moved him inevitably back into the rotation. And I, I hope that uh, I'm trying to think like the best way to like. I hope that it doesn't like it hurts his development long term because we've seen we've seen that with uh with other pitchers like we like you know Bradley is not is not Archie Bradley is not anywhere near the pitcher that Dre or athlete that Dre Jameson is but like the same the same concern like the same thing affected his career and I think that like regardless of how good of a pitcher you are uh that's going to affect your development as, like you know going back and forth I'm gonna disagree on that one Bradley was a starter that was converted to reliever and stayed in the bullpen yeah that's oh yeah you're there true he no never, he never, yeah no he wasn't yo yo I'm trying he to made he, one start but that was an opener thing and that doesn't really count okay you know what you're right that's what I was thinking of but I know I know he had like started some games I wasn't paying that much of attention when that, that happened so pardon me but I mean that that does happen with pitchers like yeah his one um, career start since 2017 yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I must have been. That makes. That's just when I started paying attention <laughs> to the Diamondbacks again. Was in. Was that year? So, uh, it's really. I I don't think it's a long term concern. You know, like I think that, that he it'll get. He'll he'll be fine. It's it's a matter of being like stretching him out, uh, fixing the little mechanical issues. You know, tweaks that he whatever tweaks he needs to make, and then, uh, you know when he's right calling back up, you know, it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, for the record, winning player is option to Reno. When it comes to a pitcher, Dramison will have to spend the next 15 days pitching for Reno. So that's at least his next two starts. And theoretically you could make, but I don't think, but the fact that they probably want him to work on, Locating his fastball, landing the slider in the zone for strikes, and then throwing in the spots where he can get swings and misses. It's pretty likely that Jameson's not going to be there for like a couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot longer than that. Is that something you agree with? Uh, I mean, isn't there a rule now that you can't send a guy up and down like that? Like it has to be, it's like two weeks, like I think 50, 14, 15 days. So it's the like. Pitcher has to spend 15 days in the minors in an optional assignment, barring injury. Oh. Oh, okay, so I mean, yeah, I I agree with. That. I I don't see why it like, like I don't I don't, see, I don't see why that would be like unless he's completely ineffective at Reno and he just falls apart. Um, I don't think which I don't I don't think he's going to suddenly become a bad pitcher. That's basically what it would take. So as long as he just suddenly turned into a pumpkin overnight, like I, I think he'll be back within like, um, before the end of May for sure. Probably well, middle of May. That's assume that's assuming the change. Changes and fixes happen in almost close to overnight. Obviously, yeah, they no, want, gonna... they're probably one of four or five start sample size of changes, and then by the time that comes around, Davies is coming off the IL. Yeah, and you're gonna already have Fott and Henry in the rotation, so it's it's definitely the rotation is definitely gonna be very 
fluid the next six weeks or so. Outside of Gallon and Kelly, you don't really have, and maybe Nelson, although Nelson isn't necessarily immune from this either. But you're going to see it. There's a lot of flux of the rotation. Like I said, you got one of your veteran pitchers injured, obviously coming off the injured list, but then you, the rest of your pitching staff is very young. Yeah, I you know, the one thing I will say is that I feel immediately more comfortable knowing that Madison Bumgarner is not like he has not held on to that spot because I like Davies uh, actually is a pretty decent fit for uh, the rest, like, you know, the defense behind him. Like I, if we had a horrible, horrible, horrible defense, uh, he would not have any chance of success. He's going to be very nervous to watch. Like you're not going to be a fun game watching uh Zach pitch, but um, with the defense behind him, I'm like much more confident. Like as far as like you know, like uh, I like his success the rest of the year, and also not knowing like it's, you know it's like basically uh, a guaranteed loss with one of the rotation spots. So now you know Nelson, that was not a good start that I saw the other day. Um, it really it, it was rough. Uh, the 420 game was not a good game. Uh, that was the last game I watched. Uh, and it, yeah, that's a concern. Same thing as like with Jameson, like he may go up and down. Uh, we have a lot of young starters and we may see them, you know, each one getting, you know, like you said, like a week or two off. So just to keep them fresh, like you're not going to throw one of these guys like out there for 200 innings. Like you used to, like that's how you burn through a guy's arm. Yeah. Save the 200 inning things for the veteran pitchers like Kelly and gallon. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, uh, what's it on the Marlins? He's like the only <laughs> Alcantara is the uh, Alcantara uh, is, uh, Alcantara. I, think, I think he's got his eyes set on 230. He, he's working some kind of goal. I don't know what goal he's aiming for, but the dude has been on a mission for the last few seasons every single year. Like he's just trying to tick off his, you know, his, his goals that he's trying to accomplish. And I think that actually may be very uh, likely that he's aiming for a really high inning pitch count. Or so like, 228 last year in four starts. He's averaging six innings. Although ZRA is obviously high because he made a fielding error, a fielding mistake against the Diamondbacks and it snowballed into a four run inning. Yeah, that was, uh, I was really surprised. I was surprised that uh, he kind of fell apart like after that. Like he really like that was really on his demeanor. It was one of the few times I've seen Alcantara like yeah. kind of let his guard down a little get, bit. In the Dimebacks had three yeah. really good at bats in a row too. Give the give the hitters credit to, for capitalizing. Walker got a pitch out over the plate and and hit a frozen rope to right center gap. Smith did the same. Um, hit it over the drawn in the infield, and then of course Corbin Carroll hits it. Hits an absolute nuke to center field on probably his only mistake pitch of the sequence, really. Yeah, no, I mean, really, he, he wasn't a, they just took advantage of a weakness when they saw it. And that's really great to see. Like I, I, this team is just really exciting. I like, still think they're just, very but, inconsistent. Uh, yes. I mean, there's always, they're young. They're none of them have the, like, aside from Christian, I mean, Christian Walker, Nick Ahmed, that's those are the all those are the, uh, Longoria, Patel, and Longoria. Like we have like three players who actually have uh, more, you know, like they've they've actually like been free, like reach free agency, basically, you know, like they're they're all. Um, that, I, I, what is the median age for this team? 
I don't think yeah. I know. Well, that's what baseball the average... is for. Absolutely. All right, so we'll look it up on Baseball Reference. The Diamondbacks, the average hitter is 27.4, which is the eighth youngest team in baseball. If you take out Longoria, I would imagine like it, and, and Walker, um, so, yeah. basically so, the three players we mentioned, the whole team immediately is, is probably like the youngest team just about. I'm not sure how much that moves the needle on it, but I would imagine that it... Uh, I imagine that it does significantly. All right, so we're going to move on to uh, Dimex starter tonight, Tommy Henry. So far, he's gone three innings, allowed two runs to Kansas City, and hasn't. It looked great. Like I said, uh, the home run to Oliver. Oh. Olivares in the first inning, and then in the third inning, uh, RBI single to Sal- future Hall of Famer Salvador Perez. Yeah, it's the Royals. They've gone off to a very, they really, I think they only have three above average hitters. One of them, best hitter is Matt Duffy. And he is like, has a platoon tremendously, guy. yeah, he's a platoon guy, and his, his just batting average on balls of play is, he's been super lucky. So I do not see him. Staying that good, the team, the guys like MJ Melendez, who I I expect to turn it around. Like he's he's a, a, a higher ranked uh, Royals prospect hitter, one of the better ones they've. But I'm not sure how he's not like a Bobby Witt level, but he's a he's a good hitter. Um, I think the Royals are I, yeah they just scored a run, so two two. Um, so so if, if you look at they're they're a team that's easy to underestimate because they've gone to such a bad start. Well, they don't, it's a roster that has a, a three or four really good players, but the rest of their roster is n- not filled out very well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a polite way to put it. So, like I said, their middle of the order is pretty good. You got Wit, Pasquantino, and Sal- uh, Perez. That's a that's a good that's as good a two of four, through four as you can pretty much get. Yeah, opinion. no, I was talking to my my Royals fan friend, and he's he's. He's like he is just like the they uh, compared to the Diamondbacks player development, the Royals uh, are not very good. Like they have not developed a uh, a really quality starting pitcher since uh, probably Jordani Ventura. Brady, like I don't. Brady Singer would like to t- have a word with you right now, and guess who's starting tomorrow for Kansas City. Yeah, okay, I forgot that he existed, and um, that's my bad. I forget yeah, that a lot of people exist. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say, Pascantino is the other guy. Like, it's really Witt Jr., Pascantino, and uh, looking for something. That I, just I said Salvador Perez. And then Sal- Sal- Salvi's just getting older is really the thing. Like, he's not the World Series, uh, the same guy as he was in the World Series. Like, it's just, it's, he's a catcher. His age is catching up to him, and it's... He'll turn it around, though. I don't think he's going to stay, like, as bad as he has. And he's a good defensive catcher. I think he's got, if I remember correctly, he's got a pretty decent arm. So he'll provide value to the Royals. I don't think that they're going to compete in, in the, the AL Central. But, like, they are they do have some guys with potential. And it's just they really haven't, um, they haven't tapped into it like you, you uh, I think, Royals fans hope. 
Uh, yeah. uh, looking at their prospects, I, I had no idea. Like, my friend was asking about these. Like, oh, hey, tell me some Royals pictures that we developed. Like, you know, they're coming up. And I'm like, uh, if you're listening, I'm just shrugging my shoulders. I had no idea. I had I couldn't find anyone really. And it was like basically the only players at the time that were, were going to provide value in the future were Witt, Pascatino, Melendez, and uh, the other guy that I said turned out not being very good. So um, I can't remember who that was. Just tell you, wasn't very good. What is it? Maybe, who was it? Yeah, I wouldn't rule out Melendez, though, obviously. He, full season last year was about a league average hitter. Yeah, there's no, he's, He's uh, if I had to make a comparison to a D-backs player, um, m- maybe like Paven, honestly. Like, I mean, he's better than Paven Smith, but like, in just in terms of like that, like overall value he provide as a hitter, like he he can at least be like a decent platoon hitter, um, and you know get on base. He's gone off to a slow start. That I, I wonder if there's an injury or something going on. Is he a first baseman or a catcher? I forget. Came up as a catcher, but obviously not catching anytime soon. Yeah, that's why, okay. So that's why they've been having him at first in DH. Okay, backup catcher played some out, a little bit of outfield DH. I I think the Royals uh signed the wrong guy long term. Like I do not think they should sign Perez for uh. Oh, speaking of Pavin Smith, just who picked up an RBI single? Okay, there we go. Yeah, Corbin Carroll let off the inning with a walk, and the D-ba- and Brad Keller is going through ERA regression right now. He's their best player okay. entering play today in B WAR at point seven. That's going down. Yeah, <laughs> when he, when he's your when your best player, uh, that's that's usually you can just guess that's uh, what's going to happen. Yeah, Brad Keller has not been a fantastic pitcher, like really, other than for like a brief, brief well, he came second. With, he came in with an ERA of three, but he had. 13 walks entering the game. Now he's got 18 walks. God. Yeah, that's oh, he's due. He's due Moreno, does the, uh, Moreno gets in a, a cheap RBI. It's now 4 2. All right. So, I, anyway, let's talk about let's, let's shift back to Tommy Henry here. Yeah. He's so he's so far, he's been uh, acceptable. I mean, the Royals aren't super intimidating, but like Henry can give us basically. At bare minimum, he's going to be better than Mad Bum, and that's kind of what we had said. Is he's you know he's going to provide good, uh, like he's quite he's not. I mean, he doesn't have the prospect profile of Grant of of five, but he's still he's still a pretty good at like you know left handed pitcher. Yeah, the thing that worries me about Henry though is his velocity tonight is down, and his velocity was down in AAA, so that kind of concerns me a bit. Ooh, I did not know that. I just thought the radar gun was cold because the radar cold gun was cold on Nelson last year. Or as it turns out, yeah. probably Nelson was just throwing extra hard. I think we might uh, need to ask uh, Kevin Domenico and Reno what the deal with their radar gun is because he'd probably know. Um, He's probably he probably has as much insight to give us as uh, the Statcast page would give. He yeah, has. I. You got a point there. I, I just think that there, there's he might know if it, the gun's a little cold or a little hot compared to you know the rest, the rest con- of the, the rest control? of AAA. Uh, I don't know. Look at the other AAA, AAA teams. Uh, Salt Lake oh. or uh, you know, yeah, like Halo is stadium to stadium down compared to spring training. 
So that's why I thought the radar gun was cold. Because fought in spring training was 93-97. Yeah, no, I was surprised to learn that like he he threw as hard as he did. Um, like that was news to me when you brought that up. Like that he's throwing harder than uh, like anyone has an idea of uh, prior to like because we've we had the data in the you know the minor leagues of like you know we don't have like it's hard to get stack cast data. It's hard to get anything like other than. Uh, a sprinkling here here or there of uh, Reno's uh, their AAA team's numbers um, it's just not really available I mean I guess and doesn't the AC does the uh, complex league play in uh, the uh, the spring training sites or is it play yeah. they play okay I wasn't sure because I've never checked out one of their games so that they, they, they do the Okay, so it's the backfield of it. Okay, I just wasn't sure if it was. They were playing in the the normal spring training game the stadiums. They certainly, uh, you'd think that they'd have Statcast data for those, but if it's just backfield, then obviously not. Yeah, if you look at, you know, that's definitely a topic. If you want to, as we segue into the next thing, obviously, what do you think about yeah. uh, the team's lack of walks? Obviously, they're not having a problem getting walks today, but. The walk deficit coming in, they had given out 99 walks and only taken 45. Of course, now after, at this point, it's now 101 given and 50 taken. Well, obviously, that's that's not good the last. Either way, that's not good. Um, Like, the team, I think, is being very aggressive. Uh, Like, on the hitting side, it's, it's just, like, the matter of the team has been very aggressive. These guys, like, they're young. They want to prove themselves. They're kind of getting, like, like, uh, Carroll taking so long to draw, like you know, like I know the stretch of games he went without drawing a walk, but it was significant, probably the longest that we've seen in his professional career. It says to me that he's trying to be like that guy, and uh, he is that guy, maybe just not yet, uh, and he won't be if he gets away from it. But I think really it's the team's just aggressive, uh, they've had a little bit of offensive struggles and like they're pressing, um. We've also got kind of bad just like the umpiring has not been uh, satisfactory in my opinion. I don't know. I don't know about you, but uh, I would call some of the games that we've seen questionable. So I think that's played a factor in like the, the high amount of walks uh, from the pitching side. Um, but offensively, I think the team's just pressing, uh, you know, to some extent. I don't think it'll last long term. What do you think? You know, last yesterday, five walks today. They've already got five walks. Although, like I said, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I believe that the te- team was pressing out of the gate while they were getting hits, but they're aligned. But they're on base because of the lack of the walks. The hits weren't necessarily doing much. You know, it's good that they're tur- they're turning it around. Like, it's, like yeah. it's definitely you're seeing more of like the approach that we want to see, which is that uh, you know they're gonna be patient at the plate. They're gonna use the the play discipline that like you know they're supposed to like perdomo like uh is a great example of a guy like he's doing really good now but in the past i think uh he's doing what some of the other younger players were are, you know uh are doing which is like he's pressing he's getting away from really like why he like what makes him a good prospect and perdomo it's he has got plate discipline he's great glove uh when he's making like he's on a hot streak he's got a little more pop than you'd expect um and when he was trying to be that guy too, <laughs> like it doesn't help. And 
I think that's what we're seeing is the same thing as like with the, with the younger players. And it's, uh, I, I, I think we're starting to see the turnaround. Hopefully like that trend of like, you know, increased play discipline uh, continues, or we're just not going to contend. If that's like the ratio of uh, walks issued to, you know, based on balls, thing, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it can't continue or the team will not be in contention. Yeah. I was going to say yesterday was a, Encouraging sign, even though they lost because they have walks and homers. Now they just need to put, have they had walks and homers, but they were off separate. Because if you yeah. get draw walks, you hit some home runs. You're gonna put up. You're gonna put some, <coughs> put some runs on the board, big numbers. But obviously, oh, yeah. this I team's mean, not gonna hit a lot of home runs. Their best power threat after Walker <coughs> is Corbin Carroll. Although Carroll's looking more like a twenty to twenty-five homer guy this year than uh, fifteen to twenty that I expected going in. Oh yeah, it is. It is also this looks is not like a power team. Paven Smith's hitting the ball better than before as well. He's driving. He's driving the. He's driving the ball much better than he has in the past. So that's good oh, ab- news. absolutely. Like I think, uh, you know, keep proving us wrong, Paven. That's the, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's like, still no, honestly, a niche player. Oh, absolutely. I'm not gonna get that. I'm, he definitely has had more power than he's shown in the past. I, I don't know, like. Uh, off the top of my head, do- I, I, I would imagine his ISO and, uh, you know, this is near his career highs right now. This is a little stretch. Like, he's never really – I think I don't think he hit more than one home run in his debut season. So, uh, he's yeah, it's surprising that Pavin's hitting. Uh, Kyle Lewis coming back, I think, will solve some of it too. Like, the team was really firing on all cylinders. We had, uh, a health, like, a healthy Lewis uh, hitting. I don't – uh, don't know. Still don't know what's going on with that, but I would imagine he's returning from the the, you know, returning to play soon too. So there's some options I, here for the, the D backs. I don't think you can send Smith down after how he's hitting right now. Obviously, his balls and play average is a little bit elevated, three eighty nine. But I think there is. It's not necessarily one of those things where it's like okay, it, it will regress some. But if the quality of contact stays good, the fifty five gram percent ground ball rate I don't like, but thirty percent line drive. Yeah. Rate, I love that hard hit rate, 70% exit velocity at 94.6. I mean, if he's hitting the ball like that, you can't send oh. him down. Oh, no, you, he's you this keep, is a, this you, is a different player. You start putting pressure on the outfielders to perform. Yeah, ab- ab- no, absolutely, dude. Like, I really, uh, like, here, that's a lucky thing to have is, uh, you know, I, I, a guy with a 201 OPS plus. So, who do you, so at this point, we'd be sending down, uh, McCarthy, unless you know he turns it around. Nah, they're not. I've, seen, I've seen some signs of life from him, so I don't think they will. It'll be interesting. Like I said, uh, Lewis is definitely going to be a decision, but McCarthy had been losing playing time to Smith in the last week. I don't know. Maybe it'll be Tom, yeah. maybe if Thomas doesn't turn it around, it's going to be uh, despite the uh, bad balls data suggesting that Thomas is going to break out this year, but. Sometimes it's just that. Sometimes it just it matters more who's hot at the time, and not so much uh, who is. So, like I said, they look. They're probably looking at all things. Yeah, no, I, I think that they that we're fortunate that there's a lot more data to work with, so we can make more like you know informed informed guesses on what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. Thomas still looks like a guy who's going to break out. Um, 
it's a it's a real hard thing of like who you would who you'd send down like who like you want to stick with the hot hand we do have options like you don't have to necessarily like keep guy on the roster playing every single day for it to be the best thing like this one is not the best thing for a player's development a lot of fans want to say like okay hey why aren't we playing this prospect and sometimes it's like that's not what they need you know it's, it's overexposure or uh just you know fatigue whatever you know that's not necessarily the best thing for a player um so it's it's going to be interesting like so. so yeah by the way you're looking at mccarthy's play discipline numbers they're in the red the approach is getting yeah. better. It's just the he's just not making good contact. Yeah, he's he's doing a good job of not his, uh he's not swinging and missing. He's taking he's not chasing very often. It's just the quality of contact could be better. Yeah, I, I just I'm just saying based on the limited sample, he looks better now than he did. Uh, or like you know, I mean, ten games ago, he looks like he's making progression. I don't, I haven't seen the results yet, but timing. uh, yeah, just timing issue. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And he, if if it's, it may take it may take that that uh little you know stint in Reno. I think we didn't. And uh, speaking of Reno, we didn't cover fought. Yeah, we're gonna in, do, uh, we're gonna do that now. Okay, so there's there's our seg is brand fought in Reno. Uh, has been, I mean, he's certainly turned it or he had the best start I've, I've seen in the, you know, at least this year. Um, Eight strikeouts and seven scoreless innings. Yeah. That's uh, the best start of the year, obviously, <laughs> especially with what we're there. working with. Um, the big talk right now, of course, is uh, why haven't I max called up Brandon Fox? Um, yep. Uh, they're working on it. That's that's what's happening. Yeah, it's it's soon. Lots. Well, it's yeah, very I, soon. We've taken baby steps, okay. Like with the moves, that, okay. Obviously, Madison Bumgarner uh, being uh, DFA'd allowed them to put thought on the forty-man roster. That was the corresponding move, right? That's going to be the corresponding move in the whole grand scheme of things. It's, right now, it's an open forty-man roster spot. Okay. Oh, oh okay. So it's yeah, it's that just, seems very no likely. Sense. Give it to someone else. Yeah, I mean, who else? Are, who else are you can give it to? You? Yeah. Um. So, when do you say? What's your prediction on when you think he will be? Uh, he'll arrive as a as his uh, major league debut. Give me, give will, me a minimum will, and a maximum. I will give you three scenarios, and you're going to have to pay attention to what Reno is doing this week in order to figure this out. So do your homework, people. So the first time we could potentially see fought will be April 30th against the Colorado Rockies. And in that scenario, fought would actually pitch tomorrow for Reno instead of Blake Walston. And if you're wondering, no, there is no, I'm going to pull up Reno real quick. They're playing Sugarland tomorrow. There is no listed starter for Reno. And, uh, So there's no a possibility starter. That's unusual. Yeah, it, it's nor it's normally Walston's turn in the rotation, but Fott could throw that game on four days rest. He cer- he certainly could. That's that's uh, there may be some kind of some variable we're not, we're not taking account for, but it doesn't seem very likely that they'll. That's the earliest. Uh, that's the earliest you'll see him for sure. That makes sense. 
and then the latest. Like there's there's some alternative. Okay, so let's scenario say the Diamondbacks. Well, the Diamondbacks are not going to do a four man rotation. Tori Lavella today was very quick to throw cold water on the idea they'll run a four man rotation because of the off days. So that doesn't make any gonna, sense. Like, so they're just I don't know gonna, what. So that, gotta, so that means they're going to call up a fifth starter. So, so that means if they need five starters, Jameson is not eligible to recall from Reno until May 9th, which is actually the first okay. day they need a fifth starter. But if they're not going with a f- four man rotation, they have to call some. They have to call up five. They have no one else. Yeah, no, I mean, really, I, I just pulled up Reno's uh, starting pitcher numbers, and he is like head and shoulders of like way better than the rest, and that's even including that awful opening day start. So, well, I mean, they all had a good outing their last time out. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm just like looking at Tyler Gilbert's eleven eleven point four five ERA, and I'm uh. <laughs> Yeah, or, or you know, there's uh, Chacone's nine point uh, one eight ERA. <laughs> like that's not compared to it to Thoughts three point uh, three, basically a three and a half ERA. Uh, he's he's like way better when you're running a guy that has a like a, a quarter of the ERA of uh, his rotation mates. That's uh, it says a lot. Like, yeah, so- at best, it's it's half of uh, the next best in uh, of the starters in Reno. All right, so the second scenario I'm going to talk about plays out with Brandon Fott making his scheduled start on Wednesday against Sugarland. So that means okay. four days. Re- so that means they would. Uh, so this theory that this is a theory that Jack, Jesse, and I kind of hammered out a little bit ago is they would go four man rotation this time around. Zach Gallon starts the first game against Texas, and then they call it Brandon Fott May third. The pitch against the Rangers in that particular instance. So that's, but Fott would be on six days rest. And then is I, that at, is that at Texas or is that, is that on a homestand? That's at Texas. At Texas. Okay. That's an interesting, I don't think that's necessarily, I mean, is Texas, is that ballpark playing as a hitter's park still? Or is it more of a pitcher's park? Do we have, I don't, I don't know the part. It doesn't seem like the best. Either, actually, honestly, no matter where you throw them in Colorado, um, through the stat cast, that would probably be like you know, I don't, I don't like. I mean, all the scenario makes sense. That just really seems like how, how the other guys perform. But there's obviously just a bunch of variables. Okay, um, so Globe Life Field has a park factor of ninety nine. Okay, so it's a slight, slightly, slightly pitcher friendly. Uh, yeah, this is a three year rolling average. Game. Okay, so yeah, I don't see I don't see any problem with with actually. I prefer him then to start in Texas than uh, at, at the Rockies. Like that's not gonna that's not a great place to even even if Coors is friendlier than it used to be. Like he is not the pitcher to actually no. Kind of, actually, he can do pretty well there just because he uh, he can keep the ball in the yard pretty well. And uh, with that with that outfield defense, he keeps fine. Most pitchers, most pitchers on most teams, you know, do not want to have your rookie uh, make his major league debut in course Field. That's, that's <laughs> like sounds like pure insanity to anyone who's watched baseball for a while. Ooh. Let's see if there's. This is something we should look up, but we'll continue the topic. Ah, uh, 
I can't find anything. Where uh, are we Googling here? On uh... See, the one thing that I'll, you know, with park factors is we don't have, it's hard to find like the specific variables involved for um, like everything. Because like cores used to inflate home runs and like things have changed they still quite do. a bit. Is it still, it's still positive? Yeah, it, walks and strikeouts are deflated because who doesn't? Everyone wants to hit the ball. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my thing with it's just the outfield course. Okay. Wow. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's like yikes. Eight percent um, more bacon. Yeah. Uh, the thing with cores, like I was saying, is is lots more of a fly ball like uh, pitcher. Yeah. Like you getting more fly ball outs. I think he like as long as he has our best outfield defense behind him, he'd be fine debuting in fours. Not, I mean, and, he might give up some home runs and pitching in the home that, ballpark that has a home run ballpark factor of eighty-two or eighteen yeah, percent below league average. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, if I had to guess, I think that plot will be up by the on the third. I think, I think that's actually like a pretty. I'd be surprised if we see him before then. Yeah, and then the third stare, which we've already thrown cold water on, would have been they go four man rotation for the Yeah, they ain't gonna do that. Road trip and then started fought on May seventh. My birthday, I like that. That'd make me happy. That's my birthday. You'll just have to get so, so yeah, if they're not going with a fight, if they're going if they're not if they're not going four man rotation, you're gonna see fought on the road trip. Yeah. That's uh yeah, a forty a four man rotation. It ain't it ain't the sixties anymore. Uh, you don't you don't do that. Like it's just insanity. I mean, I get sk- skipping a turn, but like really, you want to give them your like. There's a point of having the extra day of rest. It's like it's a long season, still early. You don't really want to be doing that just yet. By the way, here's a tri- here's a trivia question for you: Which ballpark has the highest park factor for home runs? It's not Coors uh, Field. Great, great! I uh, Cincinnati. What? Yeah, it's Cincinnati. Yeah, so I'm surprised. I I thought it was. I wasn't sure, but I was like pretty sure, like Great America, twenty percent uh, higher than the next field, which is the White Sox home field. Yeah, I was. I was gonna say that would be my second guess. I couldn't think of any other like, um, who, who like what would be more like home run friendly. I mean, Yankee Stadium actually like it. It has a notable inflation of that, that that short porch, but other than that, it doesn't really pay, play that much in terms of inflating home runs. It's like certain hitter profiles, obviously. One twelve. Some ballparks, yeah, like one twelve on uh, for was it like left handed left handed hitters for that? Let's go left handed. That's, that's what I wanted. Okay, that's uh, Okay, yeah, that's my point. Is that uh, if, if you're just looking at handedness, like Yankee Stadium is definitely. Chase Field is really, at six. If you want to compare, I I kind of miss the old Chase that was hitter friendly. I'll be honest. Um, I don't, we're not going to see that anytime soon because a lot of that wasn't necessarily like the ball and the humidor being. It's it's just the roof being closed all the time. That cast park factor three year average from fifteen to seventeen one oh eight at Chase Field. Yeah, that's uh, it's still a hair friendly ballpark, but like <laughs> it's really become much more. Sorry, I should pitcher, I pitcher, should also add friendly. Sorry, pre humidor, dead grass chase field. Oh, oh yeah, 
uh, that that was uh, the, oh my god uh, the dead graph. People don't realize how much like things like that really affect the uh, you Paul's know the, skipping the outfield is hard. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like playing on harder harder surfaces is definitely going to inflate your singles, doubles, and triples. And uh, Chase was pretty bad at some points. Like for the the switch, I uh, I don't know, I'm oh yeah, Chase felt Chase played fairly even left versus right. Yeah, I never really. I don't think I never really thought of it. Oh, it should because the ballpark you can, is symmetric. Yeah, oh. that's what I was going to say. It shouldn't, it shouldn't, but uh, I think it, it changes if the roof's open a little bit. Other than that, like it's very consistent for left-hand right-handers. I like I actually like that about Chase is you don't have to worry about that too much. Yeah, ask Fernando Tatis how the ball plays when the roof is open. Less yeah. than ninety miles an hour, and it left the ballpark. Uh, that's the thing. Um, I like. I don't. I don't. Home runs are fun. Why? Like, I don't. Obviously, not when you're giving them up. <laughs> but like, I, I like to see the roof. I like the team. I like the ambiance better at Chase with the roof open. I like the way the ballpark plays better. Like, you know, when the roof's open compared to when it's closed. Um, it's just. I don't know. It's just weird to me to see it like not as. Like it was. But really hitter friendly back in like nine, like the early nineties, like you know the early two thousand and late nineties, all the way so, through twenty seventeen, really. Yeah, really up until uh, up until then, and then but, like now it it's not the same ballpark. Yeah, I was gonna say, I wonder how much JD Martinez had an effect on this, but twenty seventeen alone park factor, they had a home run park factor of one twenty three, and I think the fact that he had a guy to hit thirty homers in sixty games, basically. Yeah, might have elevated that a little bit. I I wonder how much that was bringing JD to to Chase versus like you know him just being high. Like I think there was a little bit. I mean, he's a really just like probably the best uh, deadline acquisition the Diamondbacks have made. Period. Kurt Schilling would um, like to have a word with you. Uh, and then I was going to say, other than Kurt Schilling. But he's he's uh he shall not be named, I guess, um, due to his mouth. <laughs> That's all I, I'm gonna say about him. Yeah, we'll look up. I'm gonna look up JD Martinez's numbers at Chase Field in 2017. I gotta check. And yeah. pretty much all those games were in a Dimex uniform. So yeah, Martinez at Chase Field in 2017 hit 373 with a 448 on base percentage, 891 slugging percentage. 16 home runs in 125 plate appearances. That's a home run rate of 12.5%. That's an absolutely insane. Like I've never, like, honestly, that is one of the, that's what brought me back to Diamondbacks fandom was his, that acquisition of like, uh, they made the exact deal that they need, they needed to. And he, uh, more than exceeded all of our expectations. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll re- requalify my earlier statement of, he is the best trade uh, deadline acquisition of a hitter by the Diamondbacks. Not by anyone. Really? Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I really. Randy, jo- Rand, if you're going all time in terms of value, he's very close to the top. The only one is really Randy Johnson by the Astros when they acquired him. That is like the best ever was his. Uh, no debate. And then there's a couple like he's like Schilling, JD, Spettis, um, 
May, I, honestly, I think that a big Brad part Ziggler. of the Cubs, uh, yeah, Z- Ziggler, absolutely. I was going to say, um, in the uh, Red Sox winning year, trading away Nomar, actually, you know, and bringing a who's who did they bring? I forgot. Uh, Orlando, Orlando Cabrera. Cabrera. Yeah. yeah, Orlando Cabrera being brought in like changed that team. Like it changed the chemistry of the clubhouse. And I mean, I don't know what uh, the deal there is, or like, but really, uh, that is like one of the. I mean, not in terms of necessarily the impact of the players involved, but just the clubhouse chemistry. Like it instantly turned that. Like that was not a popular move at the time, and I guess it was, it was exactly what they needed. I'm hard. I'm, I'm hard to think of a, a more impactful trade that didn't necessarily have. Big players being moved. Yeah, I think it's one of those cases where maybe you shipped out a disgruntled star and it didn't affect the locker. Or affect the locker. Yeah, I, thing. I, I, I know uh, Cabrera. Because Garcia Parra was pretty upset about the failed oh, yeah. trade. Oh, oh, absolutely. He was. He. I would be. I mean, I understand. I'd be livid. Um, uh, train, lovely. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna be right back. Remember, because the Red Sox had. The Red Sox did have a deal agreed upon with the uh, Rangers to trade for Alex Rodriguez, but the uh, it was nixed by the MLBPA because A-Rod was going to take a salary cut to facilitate the trade. Yeah, that 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 was a mess. Uh, I'm going to an area that's less annoying to you real quick. Um, the, the, that whole trade, I always wonder what would happen if the, the, if the Players Association didn't Nix it like it honestly like uh i mean like as we know there's that whole history with a rod and uh the, you know the red sox you know like that the, literally like i think if the the trade lit a fire under the red sox having to face an even more improved uh yankees team with a rod added to it like it really it uh it was exactly what they needed and I mean, it was, I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah, Garcia Parra was pissed off about it. Uh, but bring like taking him out of there, bringing in a guy who had much better chemistry with uh, Manny and uh, Ortiz and Cabrera. Plus, I mean, I forget who else was moved over in that trade, but uh, like, really, that was super impactful in my in my uh, my opinion. It's just. Uh, I think I feel like we're missing a big trade here, like for some reason. Like I cannot think of a bigger one. I know we're missing one, Michael. Okay, so if you're wondering, it was a three-team trade that involved the Twins, the Cubs, and the Montreal Expos. That's so Garcia Parra went to the Cubs. Doug Mankiewicz went to the Red Sox, and. Alex Gonzalez went to the Expos. Expos. The McCavish, I knew about that. That was part of the trade that was I was forgetting. Yeah, I'm just I'm just surprised I got his name right. No, well well done. Like uh <laughs> pronouncing names like that is always hard when it's like got the W's, E's, I, you know, like all that Eastern European names like that. To pronounce that, like, well, I guess it helps when you have, I guess it helps when you have a player on the active roster with a similar name with Anthony Misevich. 
I'm surprised that the first time I saw his name, I was able to get it right. I was like, is it Miss Savage? And I'm like, oh, it is. That, that was a nice surprise the other day for me. All right. So we're going to move on. Since Wes was talking about clubhouse makeup, we're going to ask the question. How much does makeup matter when it comes to evaluating prospects and building together a roster? And obviously this is your runway to spout off as much as you want. Oh, I, I, you know, like we, we, like we, I've obviously, I've talked about it enough that like, I think it plays a much bigger factor than um, the average fan thinks. Like, I don't think it's like the be all end all, but like, look at, uh, like I, the kind of kind of players that you hear about, they're like you know the prospects that are busts that come to mind to me are like the Elijah Dukes, the the Dimitri Young. Uh, no, no, was it this, who is Dimitri Young's uh, Delmi Young? Okay, the ones that are like hot temper, no one gets along with them. You know, like they're clearly talented, but hey, no, I, doggies, stop it. They bark at me in my own house. It's ridiculous. Um, the, the thing is, is like guys like that, like if they're not going to, if they don't have the makeup and if you're just a dick, okay, and you don't listen to coaching, you're not going to succeed when you have failures. And that's where, like, I think that a lot of fans will just like look at these guys like they're interchangeable, you know, like it's like create a character in your favorite video game. And it's not like these are people who have their own their own stories just as much as like Paul Goldschmidt's makeup. Okay. Paul Goldschmidt was not a highly ranked prospect. Okay. You looked at his, his stats. They were kind of what you'd expect out of a, a guy of his stature and the college, you know, that he came from, but his, the difference and what makes him a Hall of Famer. Okay. Is his makeup. And I don't think that's a controversial, it's not a controversial take. Like I, I don't think it's necessarily the be all end all, but it's important to remember like, when you, like <coughs> the difference between the hall of very good in my opinion and uh, the hall of fame for a lot of players is just their individual makeup like who they are as a person and they're you know that that's that it's a really big thing to like to find like what that's every single thing that's not really the game like what's going on between <laughs> between the you know uh between the ears like that matters like a lot you know if you if you wonder why uh, oh, what's his name? Never worked out, and he got traded away. It's probably because he uh, had some issues going on with his character, or, or like he just didn't get along with it. Yeah. So obviously, obviously, the example of the latter, obviously for the Dimex, is Trevor Bauer. Oh, oh, absolutely. I think honestly, I think Scherzer may have been. Uh, that may have been a factor. Like, I don't know necessarily why you trade. I mean, I understand. Okay, I guys. So. I don't think so. His mechanics. I know are risky. I want to Serge has had no clubhouse incidents in his career. He's just so intense and angry. Okay, that's my thing. Is like he, he's not a bad guy. He's a nice guy, but he is so serious. Like he's like, don't talk to me. When I'm like starting, it. okay, don't talk to me at all. Don't say a word to me. Like he says that. Like he's, he's an intense guy. I can understand. Like if that was a factor, or you know, he may not have. I I don't think that was the case. I'm just saying it could have been. Uh, certainly with Bauer, that's why they traded him. 
Yeah. I was I was baffled that he was traded away because he was a, he was like when I uh I was doing I was covering prospects as like an amateur back then and I like that like I said I stopped being a fan basically from like 2012 really from 2011 to 20, 2016 and I I had not heard like I knew Bauer was not that likable he was like kind of weird he was weird but I heard eccentric. Yeah, centric. Yeah, that's what that was the thing that you hear about a lot in the graph. He's really centric. He had a unique training regimen, and I mean, I mean, does like he actually? I, I think that I, uh, you know, I, Trevor Bauer can be both not a great person and also be really a knowledgeable pitcher who like uh, is a he's a good pitcher. I don't think he's like as good as he was in you know when he was twenty six, like when he won the Cy Young. I don't think he's a Cy Young award winning level pitcher. He has not proven that to me, but. He knows what he's talking about. Like his his things that he he talks about in his in, in uh, his own videos about like you know how to throw a pitch, you know differences. Uh, he explains it really well. I have actually learned something from it. I hate to say it. Okay, I, I I don't subscribe to him. I will get his videos suggested in my YouTube shorts, and I'm like, ah, Trev, I don't want to see you, but you keep popping up in my feed, and um, I at least I'm not trying to seek it out you know but he i'm saying it's like that thing is he may be talented as a pitcher but if you have such a obnoxious personality that your 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 entire clubhouse is like no we don't want him back and that's what happened like trevor that's can say whatever the he can say whatever he wants the entire dodger teammates all said no we don't want him back which says everything to me yeah all right so we're gonna move on to the topic of which players in the system do you think have Great makeup that we haven't talked about already, like Waller or uh, you Waller Carroll are off limits. They're off limits. Uh, pitcher, I'm gonna go not necessarily with great makeup, but interesting makeup is Sakoni. Uh, he's an interesting guy. Like he's really kind of oblivious. Like that's yeah. the best way I've heard him describe. Is he's just like he's kind of like myself in that he has like just off in his own world and like doing his own thing and does not like, you gotta be like, Hey bro, you're, can you not do that? And yeah, he'd be like, Oh like- yeah. Yeah. He's like, Oh yeah. I suppose I, I suppose I can, uh, I could not yeah, do that. I, I, I never mean, thought he's about not it. Going out of his way to upset people. That's the one difference. Yeah. And that's, that's good. He's got good character. He's makeup interesting because it's just like his, it's okay for a guy to be like that. Like it, for him to be like, um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, like he's just focused on baseball. He's off in his own world. He doesn't know. The thing I heard was, is he, he didn't know the clubhouse social norms and like, he had to be told like, Hey, knock, knock that off. People like that, which is like, I think hilarious, but I love it. And the thing is, is he's actually, you know, I've heard that he's been just fine since then. And people are like, Oh, he's just like, he's just an interesting guy. And that's, it's great that, you know, he's likable enough that he will know that's what that's, that's his personality. And there's a difference between a guy being like that. And a guy being like, what we're talking about with Bauer. Okay. So, and like, in terms of uh, another pitcher that's like actually really, really like got good, good makeup. Um, the only guy that really comes to mind, I think, is I think Jameson Hill's got pretty decent makeup. Like, he seems to be like a guy who's uh, like, I mean, not a high draft pick. He's not highly ranked, but he's, he's got good starts. He, he oh. adjusts well. Um, he wasn't drafted like, at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's undrafted. You're right. Um. So, I mean, just to see that, to see him, uh, 
Like he's, he, I, I'm not sure how well he's done, but every time I've, he's making I've steady progress each year. Yeah, I mean it, it's slow and steady. He's, he's kind of. I mean, I think he's a guy who could be a success story just based on his makeup. And I mean, yeah, he's got like good potential as a pitcher, but uh, for a guy like that. It's he's he's actually make or break. He's rule five eligible in uh, December of next oh. year. So he's but he's what how's he doing this year? Okay, so he's, he's in double A. Double A. He's had three games. Yeah, he got lit up the I last time he was it like last week or the, uh, his last two starts. His first start was excellent. Rather than the middle one, I, I don't know that his game locks right off, but he he seems like a guy who's got good makeup. Um like I have offered good things and I think he can succeed. I don't know who are two that you can think of. Michael. Okay. So yeah, first two starts allowed one run in eight innings, four walks, nine strikeouts last start, five runs and in four innings. Yeah. That's seven that's strikeouts, not, four walks. So he's an ancient Amarillo. <laughs> so the yeah, his rough start that. wasn't even in Amarillo. Is it Amarillo had his best strike of the walk ratio. Yeah, that's that actually is what caught my my attention. Is he a, a great debut? So, but I mean, the Texas League is not an easy place to pitch. Just like, you know, just like the PCL isn't a great. Uh, Jarvis, I think Bryce Bryce Jarvis has some 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 potential to. You know, he's got good makeup to. You know, some big league pitcher. Yeah, to become a big league pitcher, that's a that's a. Kind of what I, I would say was, I mean, he doesn't have anything like negative makeup call. Like I'm just going through the guys, and like most of them are just very solid. What you want, the team has done very well uh, drafting uh, guys that don't have questionable makeup. So another, what do you think of Blake Walston from a makeup standpoint? I feel like underrated. Yeah, I think so too. I obviously he like had this, that personal tra- personal tragedy. Yeah, a couple of years ago with the f- friend committing suicide, best, and it set yeah, him back best, a little bit. Yeah, his best friend committed suicide, and uh, like that's a that's like a personal uh, struggle. Like I understand, like I uh, having like having friends who have mental health problems. Like I really think that like he's. He over he's he's really overcame a tragedy, and uh, when you uh, have something close to you like that happen and have them take their own life like that, that can permanently mess someone up. Um, like that's really he's really got great makeup. I do not like I I don't think there's really in, like a I don't think you can really just say it like you know like there's not like uh, an easy way to like explain just like how like amazing it is to see him come back from that tragedy because it's clearly like his, uh, not that less than stellar performances were clearly, uh, it was still affecting him. And, uh, to see where he's at now, or, I mean, he's got, uh, an ERA under four in, in, uh, in Reno, actually he's the second best pick. He's just as good as bot in Reno, uh, so far. So, well, that's um, got better peripherals, but yeah, Walson through yeah. six innings, Turn the results. Six innings, six solid innings in his last start. So yeah, I mean that's he—he's actually that's probably the best example in the in the system would be Walston. Um, I think Ryan Bliss 
would be another hitter, actually, that I forgot about. I really like what I've seen from him. He really seems to be someone who's, like, he's focused on just charitable goals and uh, being, like, a good, like, outstanding all-around human and baseball player, like, citizen. I don't know how to explain that. Like, the, you know, the, when, when you talk about the those kind of, like, those kind of special people that are, like, not only necessarily talented, but they're good people. I think he's one of those. Um, I mean, that isn't necessarily like a baseball thing, but I think that that helps, you know? Yeah. So bliss right now coming in the play today, four, 400 average, 410 on base, 583 slugging, 993 OPS. Yeah. It's off to a pretty good start. Uh, he's going to be uh, making the conversation really interesting here uh, coming up soon. Like we're really, we're blessed as Diamondbacks fans right now to have um, so many good players that are like basically going to be pushing like, okay, where are we going to play this guy? Like we have, that's not uh, <laughs> like feel, 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 uh, pay attention while, while you, while you can right, right now, Diamondbacks fan, because I don't think it can get much better than this. Like uh, in terms of the farm system. Yeah. I think, yeah, like I said, I think this farm system is probably at its highest value now. It's good because this, it's going to be gutted by a lot of promotions in my opinion, the next couple of yeah. years. I I'm I think that we're gonna see a few some of the depth traded away here. Uh, if the team's gonna be attentive, like they have been, I would not be surprised to see them go and, and get a get someone. I uh, I we kind of know Mike Hazen's strategy during the off season. He likes to you know uh, basically trade value for value and. Uh, buy low essentially on like uh guys that like a poor rookie debut seems to be his that seems to be his his kind of mo um or take advantage of a team having too many catchers and getting <laughs> yeah that, that's that's a fortunate hitting bat there could not be a better matchup over the offseason than the, than the uh diamondbacks and and the blue jays with the, the, the outfield situation here and the catcher situation there like you rarely ever see that i think they made a mistake long term trading away marino like i uh, that's the only sure way that we got him yeah marino's been pretty good so far yeah he's he's uh surprised like i mean his arm certainly has stood out uh, I think that's a big conversation that i've seen online is that he uh, has a very impressive arm and he really does he's like we have to read. I, I read an article on Fangraphs talking about we're going to need to reevaluate catcher defense now and the value of being able to gun down base runners. Yeah, I think he, as of yesterday or the day before, he was leading. Like he had thrown out the most most guys on the base base path. So that's certainly, uh, yeah, we might need can to reevaluate. Need to, let's see if we can actually look this up on uh, Baseball Reference. Oh. You have amazing data searching skills, Michael. I've always been impressed by like your ability to find find a statistic uh, like ASAP. It's really it's quite the talent, dude. Uh, I'm trying to look up his his his. Uh, okay, this might work. Okay, so Ramuto's gone down the most runners at seven. And Rumuto oh, okay. has gone down seven, yeah. seven to twenty. 
Whereas you look at Moreno, Moreno has gunned down five, but it's five of eight. Contreras also good numbers, yeah. five of ten. Elias Diaz, okay, five of eleven. That's what I, I I mistook what I heard is that his success rate. Obviously, people are running on uh, Real Muto. Like he's if there's twenty attempts against him, teams are running wild on that. That's that's not necessarily positive. That's great, <laughs> great out of context with the seven out of twenty because Moreno's is much more impressive. I think because of not only the strength of his arm, but uh, just like how accurate he's been. Like you're not. Uh, you can't run on that dude, and then teams aren't running on him. That's very clear. Like teams do not want to run on Gabriel Moreno. If the pitcher gives him a chance, it's it's gonna. Ha- he's got a good shot at throwing the guy out. Oh, I I love it. Yeah, I'm, you know, looking into this, I I think this is like a great uh, little segment to wrap up things on. Is is, is he's probably the best catcher that. Uh, you know, talent wise, overall talent, not necessarily results yet. That's that's more uh, Miguel Montero. Miguel Montero owns like what well, I think like six out of the top uh, catching seasons, and then it's Damian Miller is in there for his two thousand. But it, he he was all defense. Did not he could not hit. Um, who was your average starting catcher? Who would I who I have? I I would take Pete. <laughs> who I take? Peak Montero over, I think, like the value that Moreno would provide. I actually think Moreno is going to be a better catcher than Montero was. Like, if he's, if there's someone right now, I, I think he can beat him. I mean, that, well, his war, uh, Montero's best, what was his best season by war? Yeah. So for Montero, his best five seasons, I'm going to go from 2009 to 2012. Oddly enough, the one guy that stood out to he's like in the top ten is Chris Iannetta. Like I totally forgot that dude even played even played for us. Like I think of him as a as a Rocky. Um, so you think? All right. So here's the question: Is Moreno's best four seasons going to be better than thirteen point three WAR? Um. Yeah, I think it will. I think he can he can beat that. Um, I think he can beat uh, Montero's five point. Was it five point nine more F four in twenty eleven? I think he, I think he can beat that. Like I really think the guy is a much better hitter than Montero. He's got a better like he's got better play discipline. First of all, like he's got a better hit tool, got a better uh, just like discernment of pitches than Montero. Montero, uh, very underrated uh, at his peak. I mean, he fell off the he fell off pretty quick once you know he got past his peak, but. When he was with the Dynamax, he was really good, and um, I think I think Moreno's going to be better, dude. I uh, I think he's got like Montero's arm was really good too, but not quite as accurate or strong. Um, I think I think Montero might put up. I mean, look at numbers. I don't know. I think I don't know if he'd be a better. Eh, I don't know if Moreno will improve over Montero's home run. That's the one area I think that he has. No, I don't think so. Over. You think so? I said I don't think so. I think Moreno's think probably so? a 15 homer guy. Yeah, I I don't think that he's. You know, they're pretty comparable. I mean, Montero's best was uh, 18, and I, that's probably about like the best I'll think we'll get out of Moreno. It's maybe 18, 20 more likely 15. Yeah, he's the two strikes. He's basically cover the plate and try and hit it to the big part of the field. Although he's been very yeah. successful at it so far. 
I it yeah, no, he, on two strikes, he's really good. Like he can hit pitches in the left hand batter's box. Not recommended, yeah, but that can. Yeah, seeing him like just stretch out and poke. It's like poke one that's like completely uh like his bat handling skills definitely live up to the reputation. That's like that I don't think people are talking about with him is that uh he had a reputation for really like having really, really great bat ball skills. Like no matter like on bad balls too. Yeah, I project uh, hit around two ninety career. Which is that's that's fantastic. I think that he's probably got uh I think that he, you know, he probably could put up better than that. Like uh, in his peak value, I think he might have a few three hundred seasons. I mean, yeah, or, I or equivalent offensively. You know, I don't know that the environment that we're in really right now is uh, how that's going to shake out. You know, long term. But I, uh, the way things look now, he's definitely going to have some three hundred seasons. At worst, you have two ninety. But um, I yeah, no, he's. He's the best. Like we've had some terrible luck with catchers. Like you look at guys like uh, Striker Trahan, probably one of the most notable. They, he wasn't really a catcher though. I don't. They they were picking low in the first round, so they just took the who they thought was the best bat. Okay, but still, the Diamondbacks. If you look at their <laughs> their catching over the years, it's been uh, like Montero. Uh, like Chris Snyder was pretty good. He had, he had a decent little. Uh, a decent little run got extended for the yeah, down. Yeah, unfortunately, his body didn't hold up on him. Um, Kelly Stinnett actually has uh, one of the better seasons in there. I think it's mostly defense. And then, like, that's it. Like, Diamond, Merrill Kelly's had that one good season, but uh, he's yet to. No, no, Carson Kelly. My apologies. Yeah, Carson Kelly's never been able to. Merrill Kelly's fine. Merrill Kelly's fine. Merrill Kelly shouldn't be catching anyway. So yeah, <laughs> he's a ter- he's a terrible catcher. Carson Kelly is a decent catcher. He's up there in like I think he's like just outside the top ten in, of that season. And it's just not we haven't seen him replicate the success. And that's why like can't I think stay he's, healthy. Like, he can't stay healthy. And that's that's the thing is it's there's a reason why they're called the tools of ignorance. Uh the catching gear. It, it's a it's, the toughest. Uh, I mean, I like my my like my Royals friend actually. He catched in high school and uh, like thought about playing in college. So he became a chef, and he's like, I think catching's actually harder than working, you know, eighteen hour days in a kitchen. And I'm like, yeah, probably, dude. Yeah. So um, I don't doubt that. Yeah, and that's literally the re- like. I mean, that says to me everything about being a catcher is that when you have guys who are like willing to work insane hours or very hard workers and are have a job on their feet, you know, basically all day, and they're like, uh, "Yeah, I'm not going to catch. That's too. That's too hard. That's too much work." And that says how hard catching is. Yeah, I was going to say. And, so, uh, Tom Brady, the best quarterback in the NFL, actually was a legitimate catcher prospect coming out of high school too. That always that always blows my mind. I want it, I want I would love to see the alternate universe where like uh, Tom Brady was like Buster Posey. <laughs> so like oh god, I don't know who drafted him. Montreal. Montreal draft. So in the alternate universe where 1994 uh, strike doesn't happen. Okay, yeah. So I'm saying in 1994 universe where the strike doesn't happen, Montreal keeps. For some reason, Montreal keeps, uh, you know, 
their team. Uh, and he, they have uh, Tom Brady goes on like a World Series stretch from like 2005 to 2010. It's like winning series for the Expos and it's like bizarre parallel universe. And like they kept Randy Johnson. We never got, we never got that. Uh, Pedro, this is like the Expos and everything right. The universe. Well, if 1994 strike doesn't happen, it doesn't matter what happens to RJ. He's already a Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. So okay, I went, went, it was pay, okay. So they'd have Pedro. They held on to him. They didn't. They didn't trade away for Cologne. Else. Yeah. Oh my God, that is like so one of the worst. More. That's a scary team of like the Expos just made all the right moves. Yeah, you can say that about every team though. It's like you know, Rick and Morty. No, but I just, I just think that like it'd just be so bizarre compared to our universe where the Expos. I mean, you know, like they have Tom Brady as a Hall of Fame Buster Posey level catcher. Come on, that's what I'm saying. I don't saying. think Tom Brady would have hit. I don't think Tom Brady. I don't Brady think he would have been Buster Posey. He wouldn't be Buster Posey. He'd be a certainly he'd be a the, defensive specialist catcher. He's certainly. I mean, he has the character though. To, I think that's where we go. Like you know. Yeah. Tie this back to, to the main point of this segment, which is that makeup's important. And you know what? I think that Tom Brady, if he became a catcher uh, and chose that his career path, he would have succeeded on his makeup. I think he would. Yeah, he would have been a great defensive catcher. He had a great arm, obviously. Um, he knows how to command a team as a quarterback. And like he has the, he has a skill set to be a good catcher other than, you know, his hit tool. And I, I think that was the big knock on him was his basketball skills and play discipline good defense all around, but you know, I think, I think that the makeup would have made a difference. I mean, look at, look at what he's done with his career as a, as a, you know, as a football player in the NFL. Yep. Something that'll never be replicated again. Seven, seven championships, six with one team. It's unreal to me. I mean, considering like, I just, I remember uh, Tom Brady's first Super Bowl. That was unexpected then, and then to see him go on to win like that's, um, just amazing. So I think if a guy could go on and have a career like that, okay, as an NFL player who wasn't even expected really to succeed that you know necessarily, I think the makeup would make a difference. And uh, I want to know what chat thinks about that. Is if you think that you know Tom Brady in the parallel universe with the Expos, uh, would he have been good? Uh, would he have been? Would he have been an everyday catcher? Would his makeup have made a difference? That's what I want to hear. Uh, people <laughs> watching this, yeah, uh, what they what answer. they think? No, no, just put it put it as a clip. You know, maybe people leave a comment. Find out. Uh, I'm really curious what people think. If like you know, makeup would have made a difference. Probably would have. Probably definitely would have carved out a career. I don't think it would have been as good. Uh, if we're comparing to oh. Posey, the, oh, no, he would have been a Posey. Posey was. We, we're selling Buster Posey short when we make that comparison. Yeah, <laughs> I've got, I, yeah, I apologize. Uh, the only catcher better than Posey when he played was Molina. Yeah, uh, Mauer in that brief little minute where he was, you know, healthy and you know, not beaten up. But yeah, no, yeah, uh, yeah I'm selling. Going to be an interesting Hall of Fame case. He'll make it. He'll make it eventually. It's uh, it's understood, kind of, catcher. you know, the reason why he didn't stay a catcher. And he, he played his whole career, and he's from Minnesota, the you know you know Minneapolis area. He grew up in the state. One of the few players to play his entire career with a team, the same team, in that many seasons. I do not see Maurer being. It's like I just don't see that happening. They wouldn't play. Catcher, the no, catching no. version of Joe Maurer. So we're gonna go isolate just the 2013. 
was worth 44.6 war in, in just under 1,200 games. Yeah. But the lack of longevity for his career probably hurts. That does hurt. Um, I, well, he, was, he, he had like a positive first base. He had a couple of positive first base, uh, base career uh, seasons. So that's not We've surprising. He's got more career war than Posey, and nobody's going to say Posey isn't a Hall of Famer. That's my point. The, the Joe Maurer, I mean, yeah, it, I just don't. Like, Buster Posey's career is kind of short, too. Yeah. And Melina actually has the least amount of B-war between the three. Benji Melina, uh, Jose Melina, the Melina brothers, I think if you would just, like, combine them all into one person, like, they'd be a Hall of Famer. But, like, individually, it really, it's only, like, Yachty's career. Like Melina his- make it the Hall of Fame. You- I think he's over... I don't. If they say he's a top five catcher all the time, you're definitely overrating him. He's not even the yeah, best absolutely. catcher to play for the Cardinals. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you're comparing him to Johnny Bench. Uh, Johnny Bench plays so, for the Oh yeah, the Reds. Who? who like I'm. A, I'm missing the uh, Tim McCarver, maybe. Yeah, Tim McCarvey. Ben McCarver. I'm forgetting another uh, Hall of Famer. That was a Hall of Fame. Uh, Rip. Rest in peace. Hall of Fame Cardinal Cardinal catcher. Or I'm. Um, if you, I don't know. I just, I just oh, wait, no, don't. he's not in the Hall of Fame. Never mind. So, yeah, he's better than Tim McCarver. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, you know, if we go like back to the thing, it's like it, it really, I, I hope that we have this conversation of like Gabri, uh, Gabby Marino that uh, he like has that success because he, uh, he's, he ranks as highly, really highly as a prospect. He's like, would be like number three, number four, top 100 at the beginning of the season if he didn't have his eligibility exhausted by the, the Blue Jays. So, yeah, I think he'd be a legitimate um, rookie of the year prospect. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, Maria I think just walked in the sixth inning, by the way. Oh, yeah. Let's check in with that. And I think we'll wrap it up. So, why don't we wrap it up with uh, our prospects of the week? Name one hitter and one pitcher who. Stood out to you the most. So I'll start. So my hitter prospect of the week is going to be Dominic Fletcher. So Fletcher this week hitting. So Fletcher last week, and this is a good thing you can look up. That's the nice thing about baseball references. You can look up last seven days. So in the series against Salt Lake, 10 for 25 with four extra base hits, including one home run, one walk, two strikeouts, 1164 OPS. And a lot of loud contact. Along the way. Oh, then, you you went you, you took my hitter that I was gonna go with because Fletcher's Fletcher's last week has been very impressive. So I'm gonna try to find someone else just to or you can just keep the conversation. Add, or you can just add your your bit to it. I mean he's he's doing everything that I <laughs> like it's a high he's hitting the ball really hard. He's made the best contact out of that. you know, you have a, your spreadsheet of uh I'm not quite up to date because I've been lazy the last couple of days. I've, I've, I, you know, this is trying to figure out when my numbers are lining up with Fletcher. I'm a day behind. Huh. Um, yeah, the, the batting average is off on Fletcher. Oh, okay, you're probably missing a hit or two. Um, yeah, his hard hit weight went way up this week. That 36.8 percent going into the Sunday's game. I'm gonna let me pull up one thing. I do not have the stats in front of me. And there's my trade again, so you keep talking for a second. So, yeah. 
think uh, I'm gonna see if Fangrass has anything. Let's just Fangrass has anything on the system. I just want to say that the train coming by that close to my house with the train like that beats it is much better than uh, the one that has had so many derailments and they do maintain it super regularly, but it makes me very nervous. And uh, you'd be crazy not to be a little nervous. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see how you do that now. Um, it's good seeing Rivera. Actually, I'm going to go with Emmanuel Rivera. He's a guy that kind of we've forgotten about that's still pretty young and has potential. And uh, we don't have a whole lot of, like, backup third basemen. And, I mean, his Buddy Kennedy, could, I think he's more second baseman than a third baseman. They can certainly play, play it. Uh, Rivera... He, I don't know, like we were talking about, like he doesn't make the, he wasn't making the, uh, very, you're saying is not making like the contact that you'd expect him to make. I feel like he's barely missing barrel contact though. Yeah, that's, I just, so he, if he, we're seeing ball, him, he, his exit velocity is actually the highest of the players that I've charted. So highest yeah, I would velocity, highest go with angle, him. Highest hard hit rate. Just, it isn't translating into barrels. Highest fly ball. Line drive exit velocity. It's just not translating into home runs and barrels right now. Yeah. So looking at his, I mean, he's got a he's got a a one point two one seven OPS plus in the last seven games. Uh, three doubles, home run. Uh, no walk. No, yeah, no walks, but uh, only does just a strikeout. So I mean, he's. He's got four. I mean, he's really like, oh, how many hits is that? He's got 10 hits in his last uh, five games. Five? So he's at, so, there must so he's like, he's on a tear right now. I mean, if you're, if you've got double the amount of, you know, if the amount of hits you have is double of the games you played, you are like doing really good. Um, so I, I go with him and then for pitching. I'm gonna go with like I mean we we said it it's Fah like Fah has the best uh, real outing recently. Uh, is there a lower level guy that you think that's worth throwing out before we route it? Uh, I mean Newman Linlaw one run, three innings or three or four innings that was, and then obviously Walston had six innings six innings quality start. So did Henry. And yeah, then, Walston uh, would be the pitcher of the week I think in my opinion. Other than who we talked about, other than who we talked about, okay. Other than Fought, other than Henry, you gotta talk about someone else. We all know top prospects. Let's give it to Walston. Yeah. Um, and then one run six innings, I think. Yeah. No, I mean, like though, strikeout. He isn't getting strikeouts in AAA for whatever reason. He's just been had weird. He's a he's a, a puzzle. Let's leave it at that. Like his his whole his his professional career so far has been very puzzling to me. Yeah, just in terms of it's just not what I expected at all. Uh, like I said, the strikeout the the walk the strikeout and walk numbers feel like they're backwards. I can see why you say he, that. Especially since he had a pretty decent strikeout rate in Amarillo last year, it's just weird. Yeah, that goes into a much better uh, pitching environment. Can't strike anybody out. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll have to seek some outside uh, opinions that are that we can bring in here to talk about some of these guys. Um, 
Yeah, I think Lynn, Lynn is he only went four innings, but that's not really a surprise. Like we talk about, it. he's he's not the biggest dude. They're still working on his like uh, stretching him out this yeah. long term, and then uh, having him build up more you know stamina and endurance and like going longer into the starts just to see him have uh, you know a pretty pretty decent. I mean, he's got some really filthy stuff if you see that guy pitch. So um, that's it. That's promising, certainly. All right, so that's going to wrap it up here tonight. If you were watching on YouTube, make sure to click that subscribe button and leave a like on the video. We're going to try and get some of the segments of the show out there as their own standalone videos on the channel as well, in case you missed it. Also, we can follow us on Apple Podcasts as well. I think, I forget what else we're on. I think set us up to do. I forget what else we set up, so I'm going to look it up. We're, right work, we're working on it. That's that's our that's really our okay, thing. So distribution, like, Amazon, it, it, Spotify, I think, is also there. And then Google Podcasts, I think that's what we have right now. That's Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to be on more stuff as we go along, and uh, eventually we'll hopefully be on every single uh, streaming you know, I was like, like uh, RSS feed that, you you know, you should be able to get finance and everything. And uh, hopefully we'll have more content, not just the stuff from this, but, you know, uh, maybe some video essays or something once I'm able to edit videos and not just Michael. So uh, thanks for, ha- for having me again. And uh, thanks for listening.